babe. Hello all and welcome to the Affluent Marriage Podcast. You're listening to One Profit Coach. That's right. One Educator talking about living a rich and full marriage through generational wealth building principles, authentic two-way communication, and everything in between to become a couple that lives in love and walks in wealth. Your legacy begins here. I realize that if anyone watched this, they're probably like... When I was watching you, you were doing this little motion with your hands that looked like little crab hands. And I was like, it's Sebastian. I'm Sebastian. I was like, I said the heart. And then I was like, wait, I didn't do it right. Like if you're watching the YouTube, I'm like trying to make sure that I do the Gen Z heart, not like the heart that we do as millennials. I believe it's like this. All right. Well, hey, if you didn't know. If you're in the comments, let me know. You are always welcome to go check us out on YouTube. It's the same content, but in video form. But you can see us. And sometimes when you can see our facial expressions, I don't know, that might help your experience or it might not. I do make a lot of glances at my wife where sometimes she says things and I'm like, what are you talking about? Or I'm like, "Mm, preach. Also, sometimes because we're recording late at night, you will see me yawning. Sorry, not not because the content is, is boring. True. That is but true, but because it's so. You know, I late. honestly didn't even think about that because you don't see the hear the yawns in the audio. No. But there are times where we're pushing like eleven. There's times we've been close to like midnight recording. Yeah, uh, when we're doing these like two hour episodes, and yeah, the yawns are real. The yawns are real. The sips of water. Like hey, you, man. you really get a chance. Like you feel like you're in our living room if you're watching it. But here's the deal: if if you are a parent and you have small children, you, you know exactly dream. what we're going through. Yes. And you have a dream, you know, <laughs> Is that because they're listening passion. to Re- Tangled back there? Rapunzel? No, oh, I had oh. no idea they were listening they're, to Rapunzel. The dream song was on, I have a dream. Oh, no, that is I not why. That was just subconscious. So wow. fun fact, if, you know, we'd like to talk about real stuff here. This is, this is real bare bones here, right? Like we're not doing anything ridiculously fancy. At one point when we first started this podcast, my husband wanted to go to a studio that's in our church and record our podcast on the weekends and just have my kids, our kids go to my parents' house, which I laugh at now because there's just no way. There's no way that was sustainable. But no way. wouldn't you love the idea of dropping our kids off? Yes. And just having some Period. time to ourselves? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's what it was really about. But your parents were like, does it really take six hours to shoot a podcast? You have uh, no yes, idea. It, does. it sure does. It really but then, does. But so so we do so we do this at home. And the way that we've made it work for us is that we work, do the podcast after the girls go to bed, which sometimes they they might be in the room at like seven, but they don't go to bed until like nine because they're just like wired. And tonight's one of those nights our three-year-old is still awake and they're listening to Disney music and it's lullaby music, but I don't even know if you put on the lullaby music. No, she specifically asked not to have lullabies mm-hmm. on tonight. Okay. And if we want this podcast to be a success, you give make, your three-year-old you gotta give her what she wants because she, she will cry the whole time. Throw a fit. <laughs> Here's another parenting pro tip. I know you guys didn't ask for this tonight, but, but something that we did recently that was game-changing is we went oh, yeah. through after they cleaned their room mm-hmm. and we actually mm-hmm. took majority of their toys out of their room to which they were like, what are you guys doing? Like, why are you we just told them we were taking, we were just like, hey, you know, we're, we're cleaning up. We're organizing. You guys got to vacuum yeah. the floor. We just got to make sure the floor is clear. So you guys do your thing. Left the toys in our room until they went to bed that night. Mm-hmm. And I know my three-year-old's listening uh, from the background, but we basically put all of their toys, I'd say three-fourths of their toys yeah into storage yes 
So now all they have left are the, and this isn't cruelty here. These are the actual toys that they actually play with. Yes, we only left them with like the doll houses, the dolls, the the toys that they make Mm -hmm. believe with, the things that they actually play with day in and day out. We left those toys. See, but the reason why we did this is because our three-year-old loves to dump things out. So we have a toy chest in there, which we thought would make the messes that much easier because then we could just clean up easily. And we had it all organized. And then I quickly realized that our three-year-old will just dump it all out. You have to understand that when we wake up in the morning and we walk into their bedroom, we just see their toys poured out all over the floor. And it's like they're playing a game of just like walking on hot coals. It's the worst. Like it's just how can I maneuver to my bed without piercing my foot with a Lego brick? Oh, and not only that, like our oldest likes to keep all of the stuff that is like my sister cannot touch this and she keeps it on her bed. She's very territorial. Golly. So then she has like up in her bunk bed, a whole host of toys from God knows when that just get, just stay up there and then we can never find them when she wants them because it's just under blankets. And to be fair, we have described them, the castle builders and the castle destroyers, right? The one that likes her castles built and pretty wants to keep those castles in her bed. And they're all important. Everything has its own home. Her dolls have their own beds. Mm -hmm. There's blankets over them. Mm -hmm. They have makeshift clothing. Like Mm -hmm. she'll take toilet paper and make clothes for her dolls. Right? She's very creative and crafty. Materials for days. And then you look in the bottom bunk and there's a bunch of books that are just shredded. Yep. (laughs) Like she's just gone through (laughs) and ripped up books and there's pieces of paper in the corner of her bed. We don't even know how they got there. Stuff's been chewed up. Like it's, it's... It's real, man. It's real. Sylvia went through a phase where she ripped up books too, but Peyton is just like, yo, I will make you. you they can the, work uh, together, you know? Peyton novel, can be the one to create the, the series of a fortune events. Like yes. that's that's the baby that yes. like chews yes, on stuff. Yes, 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 100%, yes. But yes, so we have very two polar opposite children when it comes to playtime. So anyway, all of their toys, even though they're all, and not everything has a, is super special. So if we tried to move things into a closet or move, it was just a huge like emotional, no, I need that, that was a toy. memory. And that I was, was like, a memory. Goodness, we're just going to need to be strategic about this. But honestly, since we've done it, tell the people, Kim, one, they have not asked for watch because someone's listening now they will ask tomorrow but they have not asked for specific toys since we've done this no. two the toys still get dumped out but it's significantly less mess which i can still it, see, I can see the, floor, the floor and it doesn't make my blood boil to walk in there and be like how did all these toys get all over the floor so i'm okay if they dump it all over i'm like go for it do it and they actually play with the toys like i actually see like the the dollhouse is actually being utilized like there's there's like lots of creative storytelling going on there. So I And there's not a thousand things in, in our daughter's bed. Yeah. Anymore. I will take it. Like the room has stayed cleaner. So I will say that they have way too many books in there right now. Yeah. That is one thing we out. need to tackle. But your parenting tip for today, all the parents listening, is take three fourths of the crap out of your kids' just room. Put it in the storage. Because they're just using it to dump out and mm-hmm. chuck around. Yep. And I know We've we, had less arguments because generally our youngest is chucking and literally throwing things at her older sibling. And we don't hear that as much anymore. At least it's all soft stuff in there it's now. It's all soft stuff. Yeah, we kept all the stuffed animals. I just feel like that's a really good like metaphor for anything that we talk about in terms of finances too, right? When you have less clutter and you get rid of it, yeah, there might still be a mess that happens, but it takes a lot less time to clean up. So that's a good like 
real life application. And that brings us to what we're talking about today. (laughs) Today, we are going to be talking about the measurement of your true worth, your net worth. Before we do that, though, can I just quickly recap? So in the last week for our freebie, we talked about you know it and I love it, the third degree stubborn. Oh my gosh, you really are trying to make that hit. (laughs) It was the final part of third degree stubborn, talking about that stubborn spouse and how to get them on board with you. In our grand fam, we broke down recently common budgeting pitfalls or excuses with budgeting Mm -hmm. of why your budget is not working. What's keeping you from actually Mm -hmm. living your affluent life, from getting to that budget, from tracking and reviewing and doing all those things, Mm -hmm. what pitfalls are you facing? So that's where we've been. I would just like to say before we go into the quote um, that if you follow several different people, one of my favorite people to follow that talk about finances is Jade Warshaw. Warshaw? Warshaw. Worcester sauce. Worcester sauce. Anyway, she um, is a new like personality for Dave Ramsey. And I just like her in particular because she's spicy and... I don't know. I love seeing a queen with melanin just like telling people like it is. But she just recently did a, a show on the Dave Ramsey show where she talked to a um, a wife who was talking about her husband and how can I get my husband on board? And I'm just going to say like you just need to look at these little clips because they really are shedding light and they share a lot of my perspective <laughs> because or the what what if they joined our masterclass. Ooh, because we talk a lot about it. But what I was going to say is that this woman got on there and talked about how do I get my husband on board? And there really is no, we talked about the ox and, you know, at the beginning of our show. Yes. You can't try and make someone manipulate someone to getting on board, right? There's a difference between I'm really trying, but can we find a way that makes sense for us? Then there's some initiative. But if that person is just like, flat Dead out weight. like no don't want to do it you know like there's a whole lot deeper issues that we got to discuss but there is something that i feel like might be a really great thing for us to talk about which we talked about to Graham fam last week if you're not in Graham fam why aren't you it's a lot of exclusive content ask us some q a's it's uh, more deeper episodes we really get into the nitty-gritty of things but daniel and i are doing something very special july 2023 we're trying to change lives. We're we trying are. to really just bless people and help people out. So what we're doing is we are putting on a master class. Series. That is a series. Yes, there are five parts to this, mm-hmm. but part one is coming out in July and we are going to be talking to you. It's called Sparking Connections or yep, Spark, Spark Connections. Connections. And it's going to be all about how to create a safe place mm-hmm. with your spouse that have that safe place conversation geared towards your finances and this is a virtual date night so what we wanted this and geared this towards was for couples namely people who are um successful know they want to do more with their money um if you're a business owner even better bring your spouse along and what we're going to do is talk about how you can have these successful conversations with your spouse what is the first step to make it happen so you and your spouse will come we'll have a good time you know we're a good time um and so the first it's a two-day event so day one is just us talking giving you all the steps of what action steps you absolutely need to do to create this safe place conversation so we're going to walk you through it we're going to give you some 
activities, some questions to start the conversation. Um, and then the next night is going to be a Q&A where you can ask us any questions you have about finances, about, um, you know, what we do personally to how to get ourselves you know, where we are in terms of our investments and net worth and all that stuff and really just be able to create that community where you realize that you're not alone um, and that we're all here to create and foster good relationships with our spouses and understanding more about our finances. And one more thing, here's what I know. It doesn't matter what your income is. It doesn't matter if you're a millionaire, if you make hundreds of thousands, if you make just a six-figure business or if you make thousands. It doesn't matter. No relationship is immune Mm -mm. to those communication woes. Every single relationship needs to be cultivated, needs to be built. You have to grow your relationship. And this is an amazing way for you to get on the same page with your spouse so that you guys can do incredible things with your finances and build generational wealth. Exactly. So this is an ongoing thing. So um, if you are looking at this, you want to make sure you look at the bottom with the notes, the show notes, um, so that you can see the link to get into our email list so you know when the next one is coming up if you're watching this after the month of July. Um, But if you want to be able to get into the one for July 19th and 20th, you definitely want to make sure that you click on that link and get started. So that's coming up. Hey. And if for whatever reason you're listening to this episode late, that is always there for you to go Mm -hmm. and find and listen into, and there will be more to this series coming throughout the next 12 months. Yep, absolutely. So it's never too late. So tonight we're talking about net worth, the true measure of wealth. So this quote is from T. Harbecker. It says, the true measure of wealth is net worth, not working income. I think it's that last part that really stands out to you. You say this a lot at least when you and I talk about the true measurement of wealth Mm -hmm. and you really ride home about how it's not income. No, it's not about your income. Um, You could make, I I see people who make thousands and thousands of dollars a day, you know, Um, and they're still in situations where they don't have investments, don't have savings, don't have an understanding of where their money is going, even though they have all these zeros in their bank accounts. So it's not the income that is going to make you a better person. That's going to make you a better spender, better saver, better like your money management doesn't just automatically just poof, show up when you make more money. Um, It is up to you to understand where your money is going and take care of it right now in your current state so that you can actually be that person that is a a good steward of their finances as more money is coming in. Um, So yeah, the true measure, measure, the true measure of wealth is your net worth, not your working income. In fact, there's a, there's a, a statistic that a third of all millionaires never made over six figures of income. So that is something that's really important. Say that again. A third of all millionaires have never made over six figures of income. Wow. So that means that tells us a lot of things. There's hope for a lot of people out there that aren't making six figures that they too can be a millionaire. Mm -hmm. A third. Mm -hmm. That's substantial. Yeah. Substantial for sure. So you can take that excuse out of the way right now that you're not good enough or you're not making enough or whatever, like you can do it on what you currently have. It's just about intention. You really, you know, it just, it came to me when you said that, that it doesn't matter what your income is right now with great financial management, Mm -hmm. with great responsibility and discipline, Mm -hmm. 
and not being a child and just scooping up and buying whatever you want and using all of your your wealth, you can be a millionaire just like a third of millionaires who have never had a six-figure income. Yep. That's incredible to me. Mm-hmm. And it, I don't know, it gives me hope for a lot of people yeah if if you really caught on to that and and you like what i can do that too and i'm only making x amount a year my nine to five like i can do it yeah it doesn't mean yeah it's a simple statistic and it's very possible for you does that mean that it's easy that's the part that people like to think well that means it's easy never said it was easy but it is 100 percent possible for you so let's get into this several factors contribute to a person's net worth all right. Actually, let's do this. What is when people are listening? My favorite thing to talk and about. And people say mm-hmm, net mm-hmm. worth. Like, yep. What is? I, a lot of people know what their income is because mm-hmm. that's what they get paid, mm-hmm. right? And they get and their a lot paycheck. Of people, but like net worth, what right. is that? So a lot of people think when um, you hear oh a millionaire, they think oh a millionaire. That means they're making a million. That is not what that means. So a millionaire means that you um, are you have a net worth, meaning you have in bank accounts investments that everything that you have around you in terms of your um, what is the word. Um, Assets. Assets. Thank you. Your assets equal to a million. So that could be the mixture of properties that are paid off, mixtures of vehicles. If you have classic vehicles that have appreciated over time, the mixture of your um, income, uh, not your income, the stuff that's in your bank account and your investments, all that together is your net worth. Your it just has nothing to do with your income. So yeah, you might make six hundred thousand dollars. Doesn't. It doesn't matter. Like that doesn't really add to you. It's what you do with that money that actually creates um, a a net worth of a million. And that's actually the status of a millionaire. So you can make a million and not be a millionaire. Your net worth has to be a million for you to be a millionaire. So it is like the sum total of all of your assets. Correct. And so we want assets working in our favor. We want more assets and less liabilities. And we're going to talk a little bit about what assets are and what that looks like and versus what liabilities are. And we're kind of kind of walk you through a little bit of a mental perspective of how you can kind of think through what are my assets and liabilities. Right. We're going to talk about things that grow your net worth and yeah. things that go, things, things that, that take away from your net worth. Blow your net worth. That's Ooh, I like that done. too. Yeah. Hey, it's not what I, it's what I am doing <laughs> because I am flexible. Yeah. All right like my budget. Now, I love that you said just because you make a certain amount doesn't mean all of a sudden you're a millionaire, right? Because if I were to, a lot of people ask, they're like, man, I wish I had a million dollars. Like I want to be a millionaire. I want to have a million. And you if you were to know. put that million dollars in their hands, you would blow it they so would immediately fast. spend it right yep. on maybe like paying off loans or paying off debts or, you know, buying something for someone or getting a house or whatever it is, they would spend that money and now how much cash do they have? Mm-hmm. And you could say, well, they bought some assets. Okay, okay. But they're maybe. no longer, maybe. But they're no longer a millionaire because they, they were when it. they had the million, but then they spent it all on stuff. Right. And that stuff's not worth what they paid for it. Right. So now- It goes down. It went down in They're in no value. longer a millionaire. You know how many people I meet that had their debt completely paid off? They had their investments or they had their uh, emergency funds completely filled up. They had, they had it all- in quotation marks, they they had it all and still blew it. And still like, you know, a year, two years later, 
they racked up debt. They were like, how did I get here? No one goes into debt on purpose. Like no one goes into debt and says, oh, you know, I'm going to never pay this off and I'm going to be in debt for the next 10 years. Like no one does that. You have the intention of making more money. You have the hope of doing that. Um, but you continue to make the same decisions over and over and it over again. Like they're living without a plan. Yeah. You're living without a plan. You're spinning your wheels and that's, that's the problem, right? So I meet a lot of people who are like, I was doing so great and I had all of this, but then they get right back in the same situation without a plan, without money management, without understanding where their money is going. Right. I know people who hit their retirement years and they blow through their retirement so fast, way too fast. Yeah. And now they're looking at themselves and they're saying, I should live for at least another 15 years. Yeah. And I don't have any more nest egg. Mm -hmm. And that's a problem. And now I have to go work. So... And have to work. Yeah. And I can't so, live at the same place. So let's talk about before. what breaks, so. what what are the parts or the pieces of a net worth? We'll go so through some of these things. this is what grows your net worth. Yeah, these are things that help you grow your net worth. Okay, cool. All right. We're trying to get everyone to that millionaire status. All right. So the first one is savings and investments. So this is the portion that a person saves and invests that contributes to their net worth. So accumulating savings and making wise investments as decisions can lead to growth um, to the growth, I cannot read today for example. I was going to say, you're... To the growth of financial assets and increased net worth. So all that to say, savings and investments. It's very clear. Three to six months of savings. If you need to understand what that means, go back a couple episodes. We talk about it at the very beginning. So three to six months of expenses, not your income, not like, you know, what do I think that I need if I still want to be able to go to the spa every week? Like these are ground level and expenses. Save three to six months of those. That's a great place to start with your savings. And then investments, I think we national average is like 20%. You want to put 20% of your income back into a, a an investment fund, whether it's your 401k, Roth, any of those types of things. And it's important to understand what these things mean and understand when to use your savings and what your investments are actually for and how they will grow over time. So it's important to be um, to be educated on those savings and investments. So... I get paid money mm -hmm. from my job mm -hmm. and then I get that paycheck and I have to actually take money out of it yeah. and put it into savings? Correct. Wild. Wild. I can't just buy stuff that I want mm -mm. because I worked hard. I mean, you for can, it. but first, you know, priorities, right? <laughs> so if you have your priorities straight, you would be like savings and investments come first and then everything else comes after. Right. I think people need to understand that there's a bucket for savings. And once that bucket is full, mm -hmm. you, you no longer you have to it. put money into your savings bucket. Exactly. Yep. All right. Unless you dip into it. Investments. I would argue that not everyone is ready to invest just yet. Mm -hmm. So some people might be listening and they might be up to their eyeballs in debt. And you're listening to you and you say, Oh, you got to have savings. You got to put 20% of your income into investments. Would you advise everyone to do that? No, you got to know your situation first. So you have to be aware of where you actually stand. What is your debt, which we'll talk about in a second. You know, what things do you have to pay off? What money are you bringing in? Is there opportunity for you to make more money? Um, because that will, that will contribute to like, whether I need to focus on savings. Uh, for many people, I would tell them to focus on savings first, at least having a mini emergency fund. Maybe it's not three months, but maybe it's a month, month and a half. Um, that's a great place for you to start. So then you're able to say, okay, I can focus all of my attention on paying off debt. Um, and little issues are not going to, you know, derail me as much. I can just like, you know, keep going forward. Um, 
But then once you have that done, then it's easier for you to be able to focus all of your attention on the savings. So this area right here might take you a little bit of time, um, but it depends on how bad you want it, right? If you're serious about getting it done, you can get to those savings and investments goals relatively fast. I know there's a lot of people that I meet with that are hoarders when it comes to their savings. So they might have a ton of savings available and they have way too much in there and they need to put something towards investments. So you need to make sure that you have people around you or you are willing to talk to someone to say, hey, what do I do? There's all this money. How much do I actually need in my savings account because I'm fearful of X, Y, and Z and come up with a plan to make sure that you have um, an answer for any of those fears and then put the rest in an investment so it can grow for your future. So there's a lot of stuff that happens in the savings and investment right. part. And to each their own with investments, right? So you and I are not big into debt. And I guess I meant to say to each their own with their debt. Some people are okay with mm -hmm. holding on to some debt. And I'm not here to tell you how to manage your debt. Mm -hmm. Kim and I are big on getting rid of it and just having nothing possible. because there's a psychology to money. And for mm -hmm. us, that gives us peace to know that we don't owe anybody anything. Mm -hmm. There's peace with that. That's like our security, our, our blanket. Mm -hmm. So that's the way that we live. That's how we've done everything. And that's how we found success. And we are absolutely crushing it. Mm -hmm. You got to find what works best for you. But I'll say this. Everyone always talks about their investments and how put money in and over time compound interest and it's working for you. That interest is working for you. I want interest to work for me. Not against me. I don't me. want it to work against me. Mm -hmm. So having credit cards and these auto loans and even mortgage payments and things like that, there are negative interest, right? It's working against you. It's negating your positive interest through your investments. Mm -hmm. So I don't want my money to be sitting there making money and then on the side because of my decisions, mm -hmm. there's something eating away at my potential profits. Exactly. So that's why I'm not a big advocate of holding on to debt. I want to pay it off as quick as possible. All right. I'm not against getting a mortgage. I'm not against getting an auto loan. We've done that, but we are going to try to pay it off quickly because oh, yeah. we don't want that interest working against us. Right. We don't want it negating our potential generational wealth, our net worth. Exactly. So this is really important for you to just kind of marinate on. And a lot of people stay right here. They, they don't really have investments and they don't really have savings. And we'll tell you why later on when we get to the, the things that are taken away from you. But we're only talking about assets right now, things that are continuing to grow your net worth. Right. And you're right. We will talk about debts in just a moment. So I won't, I won't harp on it. it, Dan. I know. I just get so excited. I know. So right. savings, investments, right? These are things that grow mm -hmm. your net worth. They, they're a piece of the pie. The next thing that we're going to talk about is real estate, Right, whether this is your mortgage, this is the home you own, the condo you own, whatever it is, or if you have additional real estate, mm -hmm. right, this is another piece to the pie. This adds to your net worth. So, property ownership, including primary residences, investment properties, or underdeveloped, underdeveloped, under. Neither of us mm -hmm. can read tonight. No, babe. we can't read. Wow. That's what ten o'clock at night. Is that to you. is that what happens? That's to what us? it is. We need to wow. put, we need to get some reading glasses for the nighttime. Property ownership, including primary residences, investment properties, or undeveloped land can significantly affect net worth. Appreciation in real estate values over time can lead to an increase in net worth, while mortgage debt 
reduces it. That's a really important thing. And I'm glad that that's in there. So mortgage debt, what a lot of people think is, oh, well then, especially with the real estate boom, everybody wants to get new property. Everybody wants to get land. Everyone wants to get to do this, that, and the other. But you got to understand that you have to hold it long enough for to it appreciate. So if you're paying money on it, there's going to be a, a, you know, a portion of time where you're like, okay, I owe, like I bought this piece of land and I owe all of this land. Uh, I owe all this money to this, you know, the lender. And until you start paying it down significantly, that land is never really in the positive yet until you are able to pay off a significant amount of that land or that home. Once you get to that point, then you're able to say, okay, I actually have what we call equity in this home. You want to have equity. The more equity you have in any of these real estate properties and land and whatever, the better. So that's why the people who get like five, 10, you know, different properties at one time, that doesn't really, it's not really something that drives with me personally. Um, that's not really where I want to put all of my, that's not where I really want to gamble. Mm-hmm. Because like you have to take out a whole bunch of loans for these things. You have to put in, sometimes you don't have to put in a ton of your own cash and it might cash flow quickly. Sure. But there's just a lot of red tape there and you just really got to know what you're, what you're doing. Um, Net worth is not the end all be all, but it is an indication of the health of your finances. And so you do want to be looking at that and going, okay, I'm okay getting one property and this one property, I'm going to make sure I pay it down this much before I go into another property and having some type of a cadence so you can feel comfortable about where everything is and how much you're borrowing and how much you have in um, asset appreciation. Right. I'm glad that they said that too, because here's the thing with real estate. Not everyone looks at real estate as an asset. Mm -hmm. Some people see it as a liability. You know, we were listening to someone recently say that, you know, not everyone, the mortgage is not for everybody. Mm -hmm. You know, there is beauty in in rentals or being a renter because the amount you pay every month is the maximum. You will never pay more than that rental payment. Mm -hmm. That's it. Nothing else is going to surprise you with that rent. Like you pay the rent and that's it. Mm Mm-hmm. With a mortgage, when you're living somewhere, that's the minimum right. you'll pay every month. You pay your mortgage and then, oops, surprise. Now you got Some get of it. those shingles <laughs> fell off the house. Oops, mm-hmm. surprise. There's a leak. Oops, surprise. An appliance broke. You need landscaping. You oops, need, your yeah. light's burnt out. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that like go into real estate. And it, the same thing with all of these things, like, they could significantly affect your net worth in the same way that investments will significantly affect your net worth. But you have to wait for these things to appreciate, which might take time. You have to be patient with the market. And why do you have patience? Because if you're if you're okay with your normal income that's coming in and you feel comfortable there, then you can withstand the ebbs and flows of the real estate market, the ebbs and flows of the investments, um, the, the the real estate and the stock market. You can uh, you know you can be okay with the ebbs and flows of oh well. I have to wait and put in a little bit more of my time of making sure that I can pay down my mortgage um, before I'm actually in a point where I have good equity in the space. So it's there's a lot of a lot of factors to it. But moreover, if you're trying to calculate your net worth, we're talking about things that are your assets, your savings, what's in your investments, and what you have in your real estate 
like in equity, that's the important part. So if you have a $500,000 house, you're not going to say, oh, well, I have 500000 No, you don't, unless that's a completely paid off property. You might only have $250,000 paid off. So $250,000 is what you'll add to your So asset. let me say this, because real estate is not always going to appreciate. No. Right? And that's why I said it's not always considered an asset. Some people would see it as a liability. Mm-hmm. Ask anyone who had a home around the year 2008 if that house was an asset or a liability for them. Yeah, it's gonna- 2008, if you're not aware, that's when the market absolutely crapped out and crashed and home prices went way down, Mm -hmm. okay? A lot of people got burned during that time. Some of the people that got burned were subprime borrowers. Yeah, They were able to acquire loans for these houses that they truthfully could not afford. Mm -hmm. But what they did is they worked it so some of their early payments were low so they could afford it. But then in years to come and months to come, the payments would go up. And I'm sure what they told them is like, hey, you might not be making, yeah, you're gonna, people just make more over time. You're gonna make it work. So the payments start low, you're gonna be able to pay it. You know, if you got extra money, put it aside. When those payments get a little bit higher, you know, things have improved in your job and your work. But that didn't happen. Mm-hmm. And now they got way more, way too much house they can't afford. They're not able to make the payments. They go to sell the house, but what's the problem? The house isn't worth what they bought it for. Right. And now they're underwater. Same thing with flippers, mm-hmm. right? House flippers, they bought these homes. They were valued at a certain price. You know, it takes six months or however many months it takes to flip a home. Mm-hmm. They go to flip and sell it. And what happens? They're all undervalued now. Mm-hmm. So yeah. anything could change in the market. It's anything could change. It's a risk, right? Real estate is a risk. So yep. for those of you out there that are saying real estate is the way it's an asset, I need to Good collect all of this. Like it's always a risk. It is, which is why we, I think we're very risk adverse, which is why we were like, we would like to be able to have the house majority or full paid off. We want to know that we have equity in our power. We want to make sure that we have full control over the property. Well, as much as we can, it's a condo. Um, we want to make sure we have full control of the property. But what's beautiful about our situation is that we love to give ourselves choices. I think that's the name of our game. All right, the name of our game is we want as many choices as is possible to do with our money. So we like the idea of having excess cash at the end of every month to be able to do whatever we want with it. We like to be able to say, do you want to do this, that, and the other? And being able to say yes and be able to make those choices. We also like being able to say at a drop of a hat, if we decided that we do not like renting, if we don't like the space at all, if we want to move and just get a bigger house somewhere else, we can sell this property and know that we're going to get our money back at least. So that is something that is important to us. You have to know the name of your game when it comes to investing outside of just normal investments. Um, but I think real estate is one of my favorite types of like, I'm excited. to. Oh, get we're doing this. Re- Absolutely. <laughs> After we talk about all the things that are risky about it. Yes, we're doing this. <laughs> but seriously, we want to do this. Like, There's this risk is- with anything. Yeah. And you do have to have risk tolerance and know the game that you're playing. Yeah. I'll say I like one more thing of using of having cash on hand. One more thing, right? Just because the bank will write you a loan doesn't mean that's how much house you can afford. Mm-mm, they don't know you. What we did when we bought this condo is we were given at that time early in our marriage, we were approved for probably up to like 400,000 mm-hmm. in stupid. you know a mortgage. And we bought this place for just under 200,000. Yeah. Right. Like so 134,000. 
40, 45. It's crazy it to think really, that that really was just low. in 2016. Yeah. And now that's unheard of. Yeah. Now this house is worth it's like 257. It's rare to find something in this area under 200 anywhere. Yeah. But Hey, this is Kim Graham from the Affluent Marriage Podcast. We hope you're enjoying what you're listening to so far. But if you're thinking to yourself, man, I wish I knew more about what's going on in Kim and Dan's world. I want to ask some specific questions and be able to get extra resources. Well, you might want to think about joining the Graham fam. Now, I know I love exclusive content and I love having more of Kim in my life. And if that's something you're interested in, you can be a subscriber and you can get exclusive episodes that no one else is going to hear that's going to help you build generational wealth and have more authentic two-way communication. Links are down in the show description. You'll be able to click and see more information about GramFam and we hope to see you behind the scenes. Have a great one and let's get back to the show. All that to say, we bought something less than we could. Like yeah. we didn't, go to the max of our our loan Mm -hmm. you know we bought something that we could afford and was actually below our means yes and so and we did a 15 year so we did everything in our power to make sure that we were had the upper hand on making sure that we could pay this thing off and have something that still allowed us to have more choice so this next one that will help you grow your net worth is my favorite which is business ownership you said real estate was your favorite i like it all I, anything that's going to grow. you just like money? I just like assets? growing my net worth. Yes. So business ownership. I like your ownership. assets too. <laughs> you were going to make that joke at some point. Um, so owning a business or having equity in one can significantly impact your net worth. The value of the business um, and its profitability contribute to overall wealth. Successful businesses can generate substantial, substantial income and appreciate in value. So there are tons of different types of businesses, right? So what they might be referring to is a brick and mortar type of business or um, a small mom and pop that grows and that you're able to sell over time. Um, what I like is, there, again, I tell people it's 2023. You can literally build a business doing anything you want. I love online business because it gives me more choice. I like being able to say, I want to stay home in my jammies, but be cute up top. I like being able to work with my clients via Zoom. I don't have to go to an office. I like having my schedule to myself. I like, like there's a whole lot of things that I like in this stage of life about being a stay at home virtual business owner. Um, But down the line, you know, you never know, but there's lots of different types of businesses and business ownership that it can, that it can look like. Um, It could look like freelancing. It could look like having an agency. It could look like, you know, doing absolutely, there's a lot of stuff out there is what I'm saying, but it's a great way to build your investor, build your net worth because this is why we talk about like money management in the home. It's also money management in your business. If your business is doing well and you're creating good money management skills from the get-go, paying yourself consistently, making sure you're saving for taxes, making sure you have a good financial team, CPA, CFO, all those people around you who are going to help you make sure that you're managing your money well and growing your business. And if you are okay with investing in yourself, helping yourself understand how to build your business, how to sell, how to market and create a really great business that is sound and like has a really great foundation, then you can be making a lot of money and be able to be even smarter about like investing that money into some of the other assets that we were referencing, real estate, investments, your savings, so on and so forth. So with your business, with owning your business, you're going to be able to completely change the, uh, I guess like the, the capacity, maybe the fast, the speed at what, at, at your savings and your investment goals. Bump, 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 bump. 
I was like, where are you bum, going with bum. this? Yeah, when I read this business ownership, it makes me think of Shark Tank because they always ask that question, like, what What's is the, the valuation? valuation of your business? What's the valuation of we your business? We used to watch Shark what Tank is, all the time. We used to eat that up. This, that should have just been Shark like a, tank, that should have been a, a, like a foreshadowing. <laughs> so sometimes in this show, and you have an example of this that I'll remind you of, but sometimes, you know, they partner with the sharks and, you know, they get a deal and they're able to market their product. Sometimes straight up the sharks are like, you know what? You got the cop, you got the license to that. You got the copyright or whatever. Like I'll straight up buy that. Mm -hmm. Like, let me just buy your business hundred percent. I'm going to write you a check today. You're done. Let me take it. I got you. Right. When I read business ownership, I almost think like your business could be bought out by somebody mm -hmm. and they could just write you a check and boom. And I said, you know, I'm going to say loosely know somebody, but there was somebody, a friend of yours in uh, Albuquerque or New Mexico or whatever. They had a friend, maybe it was like a shake oh, yeah, business yeah, yeah, or yeah. something. Mm -hmm. And eventually, Lady Boss. Lady Boss. Lady Boss. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, you know, Russell someone Brunson. was like, you know, I'm done with the Lady Boss thing. I don't want to do this anymore. I'm going to sell it to someone 100%. They can have full ownership of the business. And they yeah. wrote her a check, right? Russell Brunson, who was like, I mean, big time, wrote her a check and said, you got it. Like, you're done. And now she is like, I don't know, 30, living <laughs> in a beautiful house in Texas, just living off the living it off of it. Like she's she's retired early. <laughs> she can do whatever she and wants. She can go back time. and work and do whatever she wants. Yeah. But when I see business ownership and how that adds to your net worth, right? Your business has a valuation. Mm -hmm. Your business has a number. What is it worth? Mm -hmm. And that can be towards your net worth. Right. Right. Exactly. So business ownership is a really great, it's a good investment. If you're, if you're okay, same thing with like, we talked about savings and investments and real estate, it's all a risk. You're either going to have to get a loan to put, you know, put yourself out there and you're going to have to learn more about how to build, um, you know, how to make sure that you're a good landlord, how to make sure you know how to flip, how to make, there's risk with it too. But even with business ownership, there's risk in like, investing. wait, not every business start that starts up is successful no it's not in fact more often than not they're not and the reason why they're not is because of poor money management mm, yeah most businesses fail within the first three years because of poor money management <laughs> so i mean it's no matter what it's a risk um but if you have the perspective of a long-term game you you have no choice but to be successful because you're going to make it so so we talked about this one a little bit before when we talked about savings, but investments is a major component of your net worth, right? Financial investments such as stocks, bonds, mutual funds, retirement accounts, other investment vehicles contribute to your net worth. The growth and returns on these investments increase the value of your portfolio and positively impact your net worth. So a lot of companies have a type of Roth, right? They either got a Roth 401k or true, 403b, a traditional Roth. right? They have uh, SEP IRAs, mm -hmm. right? We have SEP IRAs are for small business owners. Okay. Well, Roth IRAs. Roth IRAs. Sorry. Yeah. Um, so I, I think I was thinking about that because you recently set one of those up, mm -hmm. right? Or looking to it. <laughs> so anyways, so, and there is an IRA for the, yes. the Roth. So if your business has one of these, the company that you work for, they might do company matching. Mm -hmm. So they might match up to like 5%, which is free money. And yeah. you're an idiot if you don't do that. I just had a client who started working for Southwest and they matched 9.6%. Up to 9.6? No, 9.6%. 
That's incredible. Insane. They have insane, like the perks that they get as Southwest, like Southwest knows how to treat their employees. <laughs> you say what you want. So look, so if your company matches any one of these retirement plans, you absolutely should be considering that. 100%. That's a it's great free way. Money. It's free money it's to build money. your net worth. Yeah. Absolutely. So I know we already talked a little bit more about investments because we talked about savings at the beginning. But when you talk about investments, this is the vehicles that we're referring to. And so I just like I said, well, I said this to Graham House, go through your old employer accounts, go through things and like, like do some digging to find out if you have some money that you had left over in some of these accounts so you can roll them over into one place so that you can see it and watch it grow because all of that contributes to your net worth over time. That's all we'll say on that. They need to join Graham House if they want, or Graham Fam if they want to have more. Sure, 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 sure. I'll say this, not in detail, because I love everybody. But look, if you have an investment, there are fees involved with that investment. Oh, yes, that's important. It is important to make sure that you are not being scammed, to make sure that you're not being robbed. So let me break this down for you, okay? If the total of all of your fees are 3% or more, you're losing probably half of your investment. Like you are absolutely being robbed. You are taking on all the risk. You're using your hard earned dollars to invest and you're taking on all the risk, whether that number goes up or down. The person who is the manager manager yeah. of your funds, there's no risk for them. They're just taking a cool 3% off of whatever you make. Mm -hmm. Absolutely getting robbed. Because if the average return is like 7%, they're getting almost half of that. Mm -hmm. Like it's stifling to see the numbers over 30 years, how much they get and how much you get. Yeah. And you put up all the risk. Yes. Even at 2%, not good. Yeah. Not you want, good. You want, if below you have one. anyone, below. Below one. One or below. All right. But below. Because even 1% is better. too much. What you really should be looking for is about a half percent in mm -hmm. fees. That is like the best, the sweet spot, the money, right? 1%, like it's just, you could do better. That's you why I'm not, better. I'm not okay with saying if someone's that offers like, hey, I'll do all this for fees of 1%, like they're there's stuff out there that you can find where mm -hmm. the fees are like half a percent and you can invest. Like that's where you want to be. So remember that number uh, on Instagram, follow me at the Affluent Marriage Pod. Uh, I'll be putting on websites and things that you can check out to find out your fees. And if it's impossible for you to find the fees and you call and you ask and they're not telling you, all right. That's a big red flag. It's a red flag. They are hiding things from you. Mm-hmm. Yep. And that's just important. That's why I said educate yourself on your investments. Educate yourself on why they are important, how they're growing. Educate yourself on your earnings and your growth. Like, it's all for you. Um, all right. So we have a couple more. There's a lot of things, if you're noticing, that grow your income, that grow your net worth, I should say. So if you keep counting, this is the fifth one we're talking about is inheritance or gifts. Um, now, I know that some people might not have the generational wealth that's passed down where they're able to get some inheritance. But some people have like land that they would inherit or they might have well, even a family house, or right? A house that they might inherit. And all of those things can contribute to your net worth. So think about this though, right? Like <clears throat> if you're thinking about 
building your own wealth. You're going to be the one giving your kids or your loved ones some type of inheritance or gift or generational wealth. How do you want them to receive it? So that's what you can think about if you're listening to this and you're like, I really want to do better with my, uh, my money because you want to be able to give more to your kids, just be thinking about this. So receiving inheritance or invaluable gifts uh, can boost a person's net worth. Inherited assets um, or significant financial gifts contribute to the overall wealth calculation. So um, I don't really know very much about like appraisals of certain things like heirlooms or, you know, I have a friend who loves to talk about how, you know, Hermes bags are so good because they're an investment because <laughs> they're an heirloom. And I was like, that's not really something that I care about. But if somebody in my family had one, I'd probably be hard pressed to be like, how much is it? And just cash it out because it's just not something that means anything to me. But all that to say, um, when you're talking about inheritance or gifts, it's really as simple as that, right? Someone is giving you something that has, has earned money. Hopefully it's already paid for and it's just cash pretty much given to you. Um, but there are some situations where you might inherit a home or inherit something that's valuable that still has payments on it. And you're responsible for making sure that you take care of the rest of it. So there are you know pros and cons to everything. Just like there's risks with everything, there's pros and cons with inheriting inheritance. Um, there's more taxes, right? You're going to be in charge of the taxes of the land, of the home. Um, And you might be in charge of caring for it and having something to do with it. So you want to be thinking about these things as well um, when you're talking about net worth. If you're an only child, this is pretty simple. It all just goes to you, Mm -hmm. right? If you start to have siblings, then it can get messy when you're dealing with an inheritance or gifts or anything like that because you got to find a way to split all that up evenly. So the best thing that can happen is talk to your parents about creating a will. Mm, yeah. Right? And make it very clear what your wishes are in that will, right? It can be my wish or my desire is to have everything be sold mm-hmm. for their cash value and then disperse it evenly among my three children, two, four, five, however many kids, right? Or maybe it's, you know, this kid gets this, this kid gets that. But again, it can get really messy Mm -hmm. when you deal with money, right? Everyone's already emotional because of the loss of family. Mm -hmm. And now people are getting emotional because this person got this, but this person got that. You don't want time time for that. No, you don't want that. No, it's, it's, you want to grieve. You want to have your time. You don't want that memory of that person to be on all this stuff, mm-hmm. right? Exactly. That's yucky. Now, yeah. when I think about myself, what I want to do, I haven't even really talked to you about this, so maybe I'll just stare at your face while I say this. If I were to, look, can we talk about our will for a second? Dude, this is a deep conversation. I know, I love it. Mm. So go with me, because I won't go, I won't go like mm-hmm. deep, deep, but <laughs> let me say this. Here's Here's how I envision this will looking okay and i think you'd agree with me i don't want our children to have access to our net worth like let's say something happened to us right Mm -hmm. i don't want our children to have access to our net worth before a certain age Mm -hmm. that's called a trust like let's say something happens to us and our kids are like 23 years old Mm mm-hmm they don't have the, I don't care how much time I spent raising them. I know they're my kids. <laughs> I know they're my kids. That's why I wouldn't do it. They're my kids at 23 for them to have all this stuff that we've been working towards yeah. poured into their laps 
there's no way. They would not know what to do with there's it. There's no way. Because I think about myself at 23 and there's just no way. Yeah. Right? So not only would there be some type of time constraint like, hey, not until you are of this age, mm-hmm. right? And at that age, you have like some things going on in your life. Like you're yeah. not just like you strung to, out being yeah. a bum, mm-hmm. right? Like you're actually like contributing or something. I don't know how it would be written up. But also, I don't think that I would have it all drop on their lap at one time oh yeah it would be it'd be I broken up you. like month by month yeah or milestone by milestone, or milestone by milestone mm-hmm. like we have already talked about as well this has I mean, see that wasn't that bad right no it wasn't and this kind of goes with the next one we don't want our daughter to go to school if she decides to go to college we don't want to pay for it we well we don't want to pay for all of it if we like but we, if it happens it happens no we've had the conversation that we would have them pay for the first two years and we would pay for the last two years. Like we need them to show up for themselves the first two years and actually show initiative. And then we would take care of the last two years. So like that was something that we've talked about. And I was like, you know, I kind of like that plan. That way we can kind of teach them responsibility. I honestly think if we're going back to our origin story of how we got to this place, the debt is the reason why we were able to understand more about our money and actually take take action on it. If it was just, if we both came to the marriage completely debt-free and we were both kind of like, I don't know what to do. I don't know. What do you want to do with the money? Like we never, I don't think that we would have had that come to Jesus moment where we, where we were like, we have to figure this out right now. Um, I feel like we probably would have fallen into a lot of those traps just because we were like, well, there's, this is just the way things are, you know? Um, and so I'm thankful for that. And so I want to give my kids the same opportunity to have not a hardship, but to understand the value of their dollar. Like, I would love that for them too. I agree with you. And I'm going to put a little twist on it though. To me, it's not this whole, well, I'm going to pay for two. You're going to pay for two. Here's what Kim and I are doing every single <laughs> Here's month. Here's what we're doing. Not what Kim said. <laughs> yes. In a, in a sense, yes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. you'll agree you'll agree with me uh-huh. when yeah, you hear it. Okay, here's what Kim and I are doing. All right, every single month since our daughters have been born, we are putting money into a five twenty nine for each girl. Correct. All right, and we've also found free money through Maryland, mm-hmm. where every year we just apply for this thing and we get a free like five hundred dollars for them every year. It's pretty mm-hmm. awesome. Uh, so check your state. Not all states do it, but there might be like a statewide 529 and they give you free money for applying each year and renewing. It's, it's ridiculous. It's ridiculous, like, but it's hey. So every year we're giving to this 529, every month we're giving to this 529. And my stance is whatever that number is, by the time they get to 18, 19 years old, like that's their number. Like they can use it. Yeah. Right. And it can, and if that is enough to pay for three years of college at that point or two years of college or four years or one year of college keeps like escalating the way it is, <laughs> maybe they don't even go to college. And if, you know, they maybe have plans they for don't. it, that's fine. Like, I don't, I need to say that too. I don't, and I'm an educator and I know you're an educator too. My end goal is not for my children to go to college. No. Right. I feel like you and I, and I'm not trying to go off track here, but trade school and trades just as powerful are just as you can find a six-figure job oh yeah doing a trade there's work out there because so many people have gone to college less people have gone to trade school so now right. it's almost like there's like going to be this flip yes where we need more of those working mm-hmm. class like trade exactly. school who know how to like work. individuals so I, I just feel like so there's a lot of opportunity out there to that clap back at what you said have, it's not really a clap back oh i'm clap 
It's not really a clap. Did you hear my baby clap? I did. I heard your baby clap. That was my attempt to clap back. Yeah. Uh huh. Yeah. I'm keeping it real subtle. That was that was real quiet. So I don't have a number. Is what I'm saying. Two years, three. I don't have a number. It's just whatever we have for them in this 529. That's way more than you and I ever got. That's true. Okay, I can't say that about you. You can't. Your dad hooked you but up. But it's okay. But it like, it's way more than I ever got. He was military and he was very good with his money. Okay. <laughs> okay. Um, Millionaire flex girl. He's, reti- he's retired military. <laughs> he knew what he was doing. Okay. So, all right. So then we talked about education and skills. So, oh, I guess to kind of went into this next one. This is actually number six. Um, did we talk about this one? We did not, but it does tie into seven. That's why I put them close to each other. Oh, okay, okay, okay. Well, then education and skills is important. Building your education, getting a better job that allows you to invest more, um, getting better skills that is valuable. That also applies to your net worth because it will affect it over time. So let's just go to income. So well, let me say this, though. I, 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 I want to stay here for a second. Okay. Career growth. Yes. choosing an occupation that has growth. When you first went to school, the career that you had in mind was to be a, to work with children, Yes, but be like a minister, like a I children's wanted to be a children's minister, pastor. children's pastor. And your father said, hey, hey, whoa, 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 He's whoa, He's a whoa, very whoa. smart guy. Who is also a pastor, BT dubs. But that wasn't And he was like, whoa, 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 whoa. What if you went into education, you could still work, in children's ministry, mm-hmm. but you have a career that has more room mm-hmm. for growth and income levels. Again, choice. Pension. Choice. And benefits and healthcare. Yes, like, choice. There's, there's, you know, there's, there's a move here, or, you know, you could do children's ministry, but you're, you're missing a, out on a lot you're, of you're benefits. In a, you're pigeonholed into this only, this is the only thing that you can do. Now, you're not in education now, but I would argue that was that was an incredible mm-hmm. you know, piece of advice that, that your was, father gave you. Yes, agreed. When you were 18. Agreed. Because it, it, again, choice. Um, it really, I wanted more choice. That's not the reason necessarily that I came to him asking for that, but I went to one semester wanting to do children's ministry was very excited and proud of it. And I was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. And then he said, Hey, why don't you think about this as your major? Because there's a broader opportunities. You're going to have more choices. You don't know where you're going to want to be in the next three years, four years. Um, and I'm happy that I had the, where like the, the vision to be able to say, you know what? You're right. Like I might want to do something different or I know that's really hard for a teenager to do. I know I was, my dad's a pastor. He was in the military. So the, this is something that's truly his passion, but he's like, you want to be able to be in a position where if you want to make more money, you can, and you live in a very expensive space. So for me, I was like, okay, well, if I worked in education, every church is going to want me like, they're not going to be like, Oh, I'm sorry. You don't have a minister license. You can't not, they're going to be like, we'll, we'll work that out. <laughs> you come here. You have a lot of information. You have a lot of, a lot of like stuff under your belt. We'll, we'll work that the rest of it out. But if I ever wanted to work part-time somewhere and worked full-time somewhere else teaching or whatever, I had more flexibility and I liked that idea. Um, so that he, he, he appealed to my, uh, my flexibility, I guess, gene in my brain. That's like, mm, Yes, I like the idea like of options. not being <laughs> pigeonholed into one thing. So yeah, so thanks, Dad. Which goes into your income, which income. is the amount of money a person earns annually, and that plays a significant role mm-hmm. in building wealth and increasing net worth. Notice it was not saying it plays an insignificant role in your net worth. It does not. But how you use it 
in building wealth and will increase your net worth. So if you're using that higher income, sorry, I just like did that for you. Go ahead. So just like you said about millionaires, a third of them have never seen six figures Mm -mm. and yet they're millionaires, right? Higher income allows for more savings and investing opportunities, which can grow your assets over time. But that's not the only way. A lot of times we see people with higher income have higher spendings. Mm-hmm, exactly. That lifestyle creep. Exactly. So when you have higher income, when you have the management skills to say, this is an, a savings opportunity, an investment opportunity, and I can grow my assets over time, that's when you can actually say that your income allowed you and helped you build your net worth. But it was not the income itself that grew your net worth. So that's where it's really important for you to understand all of those bonuses you get when you get more money, when you get work hourly, or you work overtime or whatever. Those are opportunities to build your net worth. The more um, energy and intention you put towards building your net worth, the better you're going to be. Like the more positive that you have on your side in terms of building, um, building wealth. All right. So these have all been ways to grow. There's a lot of ways. There's a lot of ways. Like seven and different. Ways. I would argue that there's more ways out there that we have not named. Agreed. Right. There are things that may be a little bit more uncommon or novel. Mm-hmm. But there are ways to grow your net worth. Mm-hmm. There's also ways to blow up. Is that what you said? Yeah, I said glow. You said grow, and I said blow. You could blow your net worth Whew. using these things. So if you're following along, right, we can go through. I'll do what you do when you normally go back up to the oh, top. Okay, you're going to give us a little recap here. If you want to know your net worth right now, here's what you can do. I want you to go through your savings and investments, Okay go through any real estate property, equity. any equity you have. And I have a number for all of these. If you have a business, that's going to be a little bit difficult because you don't really have a valuation of your business, but you know, um, business ownership uh, and uh, inheritance. If you know, if you have any inheritance um, and if you, that's pretty much it. So if you're going to look at all of those factors and if you have a solid number for those things, add that number up and put it in one column of a paper, okay? Your vehicle too, any, any yeah, type of vehicle, asset that you have. Anything that is, has like has additional has value. value. Um, you wanna put that in there and you wanna add that and just to a, do a column that just says assets. Those are all of your assets. Now we're gonna talk about things that blow your, your, your net worth. These are uh, called liabilities. Debt. Surprise, surprise. (laughs) No, debt and liabilities, right? The presence of debts and liabilities negatively Mm -hmm. impacts net worth, right? Mortgages, loans, credit card debt, other financial obligations reduce the overall value of assets and can limit wealth accumulation. Did you like that? That was actually, no, that was pretty good. Put like the music there. You thought that was an added music. Why would I add music when I have you? I don't know. You know, but yeah, debt and liabilities, man. It's like a, it's a, it's just sucks all the life out of the fun, like all the things that you're trying to do, like to build your net worth. And then here comes liabilities, like little leeches that are just sucking all the fun out of it. Like you're like, man. Right. Because we said this before, not only is it just that you're in debt to people and you owe people money, Mm -hmm. but there's also an interest rate that's involved with that. So not only is it like a set number, like, oh, I owe you $10,000. It's like, I owe you 10,000 at like a 6.72. No, stop. 
If you're talking about a credit rate. card, you're talking to the tune of 22 to 29 percent. All right, I was thinking like auto loan right now. Interest. Oh, auto loans are at the highest eight percent. We just right got like five point eight. You got five point eight, and I was very very happy with that. It's a low interest rate, but ish. Um, but yeah, credit cards can go up to 29%. Right, because there's been a lot of Fed hikes. So a yes. lot of the interest rates have been going up, up, up as they Absolutely. try to combat inflation uh, to no avail because everything's just wildly expensive. And now we just have high interest rates. Meanwhile, do you know how much you can get for your savings account? Tell me. So if you go to a high yield savings account and you want to, and you're looking for a good interest, right? You want your high interest on money that you're saving. You want it working in your favor. The highest you can get right now that I've seen recently is like 4.5%. Wow. Is that not like... I remember the days you could barely get one. 0.1% is what people were normally getting in their savings. And then with the Fed hikes, we're taking advantage of it by saying, okay, in your savings account, make sure you take advantage of this Fed hike, move your money around to different high yield savings so it can continue to, to boost up, right? But... I can't believe like that just drives me insane that the stuff that you're wanting to build your money, build your sandcastle, dude, it's like Peyton and Sophia building your sandcastle, your net worth castle. Right. And it's only giving you just a little bit like a little 4% increase. That's it. But then you have this credit card, this mortgage loan, this auto loan and all these things. And they're all taking all together like 45% (laughs) away from you in addition to the debt you already have like it just knocks down your little sandcastle that you're trying to build right it it (laughs) severely inhibits your ability to accumulate more wealth when you have this negative interest working against you and it's probably even eating into your wealth yeah so now your numbers not only not going up or going up slowly, but now it's probably going down. Yeah, so, it's the worst. Guys, not great. Interest should be working in your these, favor. Yeah, these these interests just eating you alive Don't every single month. Like Don't. you gotta you gotta get out of these debts. Yeah. All yeah. right. So anyway, if you can't already figure out like your debt and liabilities, literally will tank you in terms of your net worth. So in the other column that we were just mentioning, you want to have one that's just for debt. So you want to write down all the debts you have any liabilities that you have, anything that you owe, and you want to put it on the other side. So that um, the house that we were talking about, anything you owe on your home um, or on your car or whatever, you're going to put it on the other side. And these are all things that are going to basically take away from your net worth. So um, I feel like that's very clear, debt and liabilities. Absolutely. Lifestyle and expenses. The lifestyle choices and expenses of an individual can impact their net worth. The doi, high <laughs> spending habits and excessive expenses reduce the ability to save and invest, potentially slowing down wealth accumulation. I feel like this is now these are reasons. These are reasons people trying to keep up with the Joneses. Yes. These are reasons why your net worth can blow up instead of grow up. Glow, whatever. Um, Debt and liabilities is obviously numerical. So you can write a number and say, this is my liabilities. But habitually and, you know, like what what's happening to you is the lifestyle and expensive. That lifestyle creep is a real thing. I was literally just talking to a client today. Um, lots of different things have happened to her recently. But all in all, um, her father-in-law passed and he left a whole bunch of money to the kids and he like they were already taking care of the mother-in-law so the mother-in-law had to be put into a nursing home she had a lot of money left over they were able to use that and take over like pay off all of their debts 
and all of her credit cards. And basically they're starting on a clean slate as a result, right? And so I was like, okay, so what are you gonna do with this? Because her husband just got a raise at his job. He's now salaried. She just got a new job with Southwest. That's where I got the 9.6. And she's also a boutique owner and she has even more money coming through there. And I was like, this is your opportunity. This is your open door to creating more opportunities and choices for yourself. Do not blow this because it is so easy in these types of situations for your lifestyle and your expenses to take over and all of a sudden, all of those ways that we were mentioning earlier that build your net worth, all of a sudden they're not as important. All of a sudden that like trip to Cabo is important. All of a sudden that handbag is more important. All of a sudden that thing from Amazon is more important than the savings, than the investments, than creating more choices for yourself in the future. So I really had to make sure I refocused her that this is all amazing, but do not forget the goal. Do not forget that. I was gonna go in like three different directions there and I don't know which one to go with first. I'm going to start with it. First of all, I just think it's interesting that you talked about with lifestyle and expenses, you talked about like an inheritance, because I was going to go somewhere similar, because if you read Millionaire Next Door, Mm -hmm. it talks about, you know, grandparents and how they want to bless their grandkids and how they want to hook them up. (laughs) And you're going somewhere else. But and also like with inheritance and, you know, All it was showing is statistic after statistic after statistic how when grandparents buy their kids or when when parents buy their kids things like houses and cars and these things, you think you're hooking your kids up, you Mm -hmm. think you're helping them out, but you're actually messing them up. Like you are handicapping them because you are like, I'm going to say Americanizing them. Like you're you're Mm -hmm. teaching them how to have this like high spending lifestyle Mm -hmm. if you move into a neighborhood in like a really nice house Ooh, i got stories for this one too Mm -hmm. if you move into a like you buy your kids more than they can afford but they're in this neighborhood now this affluent neighborhood and they're living there right you are going to have to try to keep up with your neighbors Mm -hmm. right your neighbors got all their kids you're going to sit down it's the neighborhood chat you guys are all talking you're out there you're grilling you whatever and like oh i put my kid in this private school or Mm -hmm. i put my kid where does your kid go to school oh they go to the the public school around the corner (gasps) right it just doesn't it just feels oh if that's mm, that's what works for you oh well you know we're sending our kid off to this space camp remember space camp from the 90s you know everyone's going to the space camp do you, do you want to go with the community? We're all going to space camp or, Oh, you know, we just had this guy power washer. He's going around power washing all of the, uh, the houses and they, do you, you need yours done too, man. Or, mm-hmm. or, Oh, we're all getting our, uh, streets repaved. You know, our, our, our do you need to, you need yeah. to, so it's like HOAs are going up. It's almost like you got, you try to look the part right. when you end up in this neighborhood. So all the statistics, right? This is not just me talking like I've read statistics from millionaire next door, right? that you're setting up your kids to fail mm-hmm. when you, and I'm not going to say spoil, but when you buy them something that's outside like of what they can gift. control or what's outside of what they can. Right. Out of their means. Out of their means. Like if they couldn't afford the thing to begin with on their own, you got to ask, is it really encouraging them to make better choices or is it putting them in a bracket that is it, is it, is it aiding them and biting off more than they can chew? So lifestyle and expenses, right? I, we even mentioned our own personal example, how our first mortgage like purchase yeah. was something that was below our means, like not even at our means, below. right? If the bank gave us 400K, even if you said, all right, we're going to use 
250,000, like that would sound responsible. Like, mm-hmm. okay, they gave you 400, but you used 250 and you bought yourself a nice little place. But we didn't even do that. We went 100,000 less than that and bought something for 150. Yep, and then renovated. Which was way below <laughs> mm-hmm. our means. But it allowed us more choices. And we never felt pressure in, in where we were. Like we never felt pressure to look the part, be the part, whatever. Everyone's here is, is very... It's pretty much the same. But yeah, and I even hear stories like this as well, even with, you know, people who move their kids to affluent places, right? You're talking about grandparents moving their kids, but that same thing goes for the adults, right? Moving to an affluent area, moving to or, you know, to a neighborhood where everyone has certain things. That's happened to my clients several times where they're like, everyone has a Tesla. Everyone has this. Everyone has this on their, the, the, you know, the solar roofs or whatever. And I just feel bad because I can't even do this. And these people are doctors and whatever. And what am I doing? And all of a sudden you have this self-doubt. And I'm like, hold up, hold up, hold up. Since when is their success? What? Since when is their success the status quo? Like you need to look in within yourself. Are you successful? Do you know what's going on in your side of the yard? Because if you know what's going on in your grass and you know that your grass is green because you are trimming it and making sure it looks pristine and you are doing everything you need to do to make sure that your finances and your well-being and your relationship is in order, you're not going to care what anyone else is doing because you're so focused on your own growth and your own glow up. So I just think, you know, lifestyle and expenses can totally uh, lead you down a path where you are going to create and and take on more debt and more liabilities, which is going to drag your net worth down. No matter how much income you make, you're never going to be able to catch up unless you Take and look, there's a lot of broke doctors and lawyers oh, out there, yeah. right? Not only are their student loans like just astronomical, mm-hmm. right? Because they've been in school for so long and they just keep borrowing, borrowing, borrowing. But they also fall, you know, to the, they succumb or fall to this whole notion that because they are viewed in society as like mm-hmm. this doctor or this lawyer, they have, if they want to be perceived as like a good doctor, they should have, they should yeah. have a nice looking car because if you're going to choose someone to be your doctor or lawyer do you want that lawyer that's driving the hoopty right are you a good lawyer like are you like daredevil or froggy or whatever from froggy Froggy. (laughs) like what i'm sorry that was from uh marvel to television show but Mm -hmm. like if you're looking at your lawyer drive away in a hoopty and it's like sputters or whatever is as it drives away (laughs) you're like man like did i did i pick the right one or you see another drive away in like a Tesla, like you you might, you know, you'd be like, all right, well, it this changes your perspective this guy on might, the person. For sure, right? Nothing so what that. I'm saying is a lot of doctors and lawyers fall to that issue that they have all the student loan debt and then they want a lifestyle that matches their career mm-hmm. and they want to seem successful so people would view them that way. So they do go into even more debt to yeah. acquire these things. So just because you're in a community and you see all these people driving Teslas, that doesn't mean they got Tesla money. So long story short, lifestyle and expenses. Get that lifestyle creep out of here. Like that is going to drag down your overall net worth. And you could be really close to that million dollar mark with your assets. And you're like, oh my gosh, I'm doing really great. But if you don't get in control of your financial management, which is our last thing that can take you down if you don't take control over it, it is going to completely destroy and right. blow up. So your don't wealth. try to keep up with the Joneses. Just chill with the Grams. Mm-hmm. Yep. Just chill with the Grams. Chill with the Grams. Um, the ability to effectively manage personal finances, make informed investment decisions, and minimize debt plays a crucial role in building your net worth. 
good financial management practices can lead to greater wealth accumulation. So the um, the absence of that financial management is also going to be the thing that keeps you. And it's crazy to me that we just mentioned like seven different ways that and behaviors that build your net worth that um, that can build your you know that help you have more money into places that are going to help you give more choices. And there's only two two things that we mentioned that are so detrimental that take away from your net worth and take away from the habit of becoming that millionaire um, with the lifestyle that has more choices and all that stuff, debt liabilities and lifestyle and expenses. And this is why we say, if you don't have an understanding of where your money is going, and if you don't have the mindset that you can do this, that you are bigger than whatever situation you're going on with right now, it's absolutely crazy to me that it's only two main sources that is like a pariah you and i had this philosophical you know i wouldn't even call it a debate just more of like we were just pondering this the other day and you were like you know babe why is it that you know sometimes good people don't win yeah or why is it that like bad people who are like you know you determine bad by your whatever your definition of bad is. But you know what I mean if you're listening, mm-hmm. right? Good and bad. Why is it that some people who make terrible decisions and do terrible things end up wildly, wildly mm-hmm. like rich? And people that, however you define good, you know, don't end up with that much. I would argue that regardless of how you come to your wealth. If you don't have good financial management practices, it's not going to lead to more. Uh, We can sit here and talk story after story of celebrity, professional athlete, lottery winners, however they came to their wealth, they lost it all. Mm -hmm. There's like ESPN documentaries on people who lost it all. They did a whole series on that, right? If you don't have good financial management practices, I don't care how much money you have right now or how you got that money. If you're not managing it well, it's not going to leave to more. No. And like you just said earlier in the show, 33% of millionaires have never seen six figures, right? If you're sitting here and you're all bummed because the person next door mm-hmm. got a lucky break and their stock jumped up way high and they sold or you know, their house evaluation went through the roof and they sold or whatever it is, you know, whatever their millionaire flex, if you will, like what they have going for them that you don't, it doesn't matter if they don't have good financial management. Right. If you, I don't care what your situation is, if you keep trucking along and doing what you're supposed to do day in and day out, month in and month out, year in and year out, it's going to lead to greater wealth accumulation, just like 33% of millionaires. Mm -hmm, Exactly. And just like the tortoise and the hare, it's those slow and steady wins the race. It's those intentional decisions to change your habits, to change your mindset, to change and be aware of where your numbers are and to, to take the time to plan what your next steps are. That is the steps. That is the thing. It's the small elementary things. Like I can't, like sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, it really is so elementary. The more I think about like things that I'm telling my clients and the things that we're talking about, it's so elementary. But if you do it, it will lead to such insane wealth and insane like just just gratitude and feeling of 
contentment in your finances and how you talked about money. It's insane. So you want to you want to make sure that you are being intentional about your management of your funds. Man, it's going to eat me alive if I can't remember what this is called. Uh, What is it called in like a play where like everything is going wrong and then at the very last moment something like miraculous happens or whatever and it like turns things around. There's a name for that. And it's okay if you don't know. It's going to eat me alive and I'm going to say it later in the show because I'm going to look it up. Mm -hmm. But I feel like a lot of people over here are like holding on to like their grandma's like genie looking lamp mm-hmm. and they're rubbing that sucker hoping you know that something's gonna pop out and give them three wishes like they're oh, legit yeah they are hoping for like oh if i just win this or oh if this good thing just happens but like i have some clients who are waiting for property like right, they're like, getting it as inheritance and oh, they're, they're just, just waiting for someone to they're die they're just waiting and i'm like guys Man. guys I'm like, look, I can't do that. you guys are out here looking for this one big moment to come to like help you out. You got to stop waiting. Like that moment is right here and now mm-hmm. and it's called your budget. Yeah. You do that day in, day out. You manage that well and you're going to see more. Mm-hmm. Right. Stop waiting for this genie to pop out of a bottle. It's yeah. not going to happen. It's not. It's it not really isn't. I wish it would. Chris, trust me. I wish it would. But it's not. That's not the way that it that it occurs. That you have this um, unforeseen like moment that just goes poof and it's all here. You know, like you have to have that continuous moment of like, okay, I need to continue every single day, one percent better, looking at your numbers, being aware of what's going on. That's what it takes. Um, he's looking up the theater terms, and I'm I'm like, don't worry you're gonna find it i'll find it i'm like is i mean i'm thinking about the story like the story arc right it's just like everything is going wrong and then in that final moment something unexpected happens that like saves them and all as well you know it happens in every plot right everything is dark everything's going bad and then boom something happens right everyone's waiting for that moment to be rescued and it's not coming like you need to take care of yourself and budget day in and day out. Nobody's coming to rescue you. That's what I want to tell people about this uh, student loan thing. Nobody's coming to rescue you, boo. Uh, we'd love we'd love for it to happen. And what, what would be the worst thing that could happen, right? You paid it off and then all of a sudden they're like, we forgive it. Okay, well, you're already 10 steps ahead of everybody else who decided to wait. Like, <laughs> you're already 10 steps ahead because instead of worrying about that, instead of having that stress on your shoulders, you decided to start investing instead of holding on to that cash flow. You decided to, you know, move on with your life and kind of like break free from that and be like, I'm done with this. I'm not waiting for you anymore. Like, who wants to wait? Who wants to be that damsel in distress that's just waiting for their prince to come save them? Like, especially if you're a female, you understand what I'm saying here. Like, come on, you could do it. You leave, leave the saving of the world to the men. I don't think so. I don't think so. That is, are you still looking this up? I'll figure it out later. He's going to figure it out. But that's from the Incredibles. But seriously, it reigns true here. Do not wait for some other government official who has no idea who you are, no idea how much you're making, no idea your situation, no idea your mental health, no idea the, the struggles you're going through, dictate what you can and cannot spend. Get yourself an understanding of where your money is, pay everything off if that's what you're able to do, and move on with your life. You create your story. I love Mic that. Mic drop. Boom. Except your mic's on a stand. 
All right, Kim, give us a call to action. Um, I want you to go back and look at your net worth. Again, fold your paper like a hot dog this time. Last time it was... Did we do hamburger last time? Last time it was... No, I think last time it was a hot dog too. Might be. Might have been a... T- anyway, fold your paper like a hot dog. <laughs> one side is assets. One side is liabilities. You know, they probably didn't even get that because you probably talked to Gramfam when you said that. I did. Okay. Well, that's whatever. I'm a teacher. So you're going to write down stuff that's assets, anything that is appreciating, anything that is building your wealth, go back to the episode, write down that list again. And then anything that is debt liabilities taking away from your um, net worth. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take your assets, subtract it from your liabilities. And that is your net worth. That is what determines your net worth. So those people who are millionaires have assets, have liabilities, because they might still use debt, but they use it in a way where they're not having 45% of their interest working against them. They have a lot less working, they're able to pay it off or whatever, but they're smart about how they balance it all. And they're investing and they're doing all these things. They got their priorities straight, right? So they have a lot of assets, they have a lot of, they have liabilities, but when they subtract them, they still have a million dollars. That is the meaning of a millionaire. So that's what I want you to do. Um, Do a net worth exercise and see how far away are you from that millionaire um, milestone or whatever milestone you want to go for. Do you want to retire on 500k? Then focus on 500k. If you want 2 million or a billion, put it down and you determine what changes do you need to make to get yourself to the place where you are able to say that you have a million. Thank you guys so much for listening today to the Affluent Marriage Podcast. We really appreciate you guys tuning in. If you've not had a chance to check out our master's class, check us out at the Affluent Marriage Pod. You can find out all about it. Learn how to create that safe place around money with your spouse. Mm -hmm. Again, the true measure of wealth is net worth, not just your working income, because to make more, you have to manage well. Yep. All right. Go guys, live in love, walk in wealth, take care. We'll see you guys next time. Bye-bye.